Hey, what's up, folks? This is Tony Brewer. You're listening to Cogitations. Cogitations is the podcast where we think about things, we contemplate them, we turn them over in our minds, and then we discuss them. Daniel chapter 7, verse 28, Daniel writes, Hitherto is the end of the matter. As for me, Daniel, my cogitations much troubled me, my countenance changed in me, but I kept the matter in my heart. Now, we're not going to keep the matter in our heart. We're going to talk about it. And today we're going to talk about right reasoning. Logic is simply the study of right reasoning, be able to reason correctly. What's up, Brandon Dreschner? Good to see you today. And uh, incidentally, for those of you that come in as Facebook's building my audience, I'm just going to get right into this podcast. The archive will obviously be up on Digital Bible. Excuse me, the archive will be up on my podcast channels. I was getting ahead of myself. Normally, Aaron Dotson and myself do a show called Christianity Now at 10 Central, 11 Eastern. Aaron uh, and his wife are coming down to the wire for the due date for their new baby little girl. New baby? I mean, I guess it is a new baby. But anyway, they're having a child. And uh, the only time, like their their weekly appointments now, and the only time that they can get them done is Tuesdays. And uh, I don't know, man, Aaron thought that being there for his wife and his and his new baby was more important than doing the show. I don't know what's wrong with him, but uh, maybe maybe we can talk to him about it. No, you know that I'm just kidding. Uh, so that that show will either be on a hiatus or next week we'll have a different guest other than Aaron. And actually, Aaron is not a guest. Aaron is a co-host. I love Aaron. Uh, he and I G-Haw, as we say, down south in the United States. And uh, it's just good. I feel like it's a good chemistry. And it's hard for me to find somebody that I have a, just a really good chemistry with. Um, usually, that's not already doing something like this. Like Jonathan Jenkins and I have a very good chemistry on live stream, but he's doing so much on other things already that it's hard to nail him down to uh, get him to step up in the guest spot whenever, let's say, Aaron is gone. All right, I'm done with that. So this is a Tuesday podcast that's not Christianity Now. This is about right reasoning. Now, let me tell you what, um, well, first off, consider supporting me as a podcaster. www.patreon.com forward slash near churches. If you like these podcasts, I mean, a dollar a month, it's $12 a year, and you have no idea how much that would help me out. Um, It would be great if every, even if every subscriber on Podbean alone Gave a dollar a month. I mean, I'm not like a viral video artist or a viral YouTube artist or podcast artist, but I mean, I'd be making, you know, two or three hundred dollars a month if if only the people that subscribed, um, if only the people that subscribed give a dollar a month. Now, if everybody that listened gave a dollar, I'd have a couple thousand dollars a month. And what ain't that ain't that something? Uh, but anyway, uh, let me tell you why. I decided to do this live stream and, and podcast about right reasoning or logic. And I think in the show notes, in the description, I talk about this post in a, in a Facebook group about Bible question and answers that caused me to think, you know what? We really need to be, teach more logic. I think everybody needs a course, uh, Logic 101, at least an introduction to Aristotelian logic. In the in the in a way to reason correctly, let me give you these these three questions, three salient questions that troubles my mind and need 
biblical proof. All right. On the Christianity Now podcast, Aaron, uh, or I, whenever Aaron was gone last week, I watched a video, and the video was a man who's a Bible teacher, and the video started out, and it's just a three-minute video or a one-minute video. Uh, The video started out, the man said, what does the Bible say about the Christian and drinking alcohol? He said, so let's see what the Bible says. And for the rest of the video, there was not one Bible verse referenced. So I talked about that. And then I see this right here. The, the, the statement is, these are three salient. The word salient basically means important, very important questions. And these questions trouble this man's mind, and he needs biblical proof. Okay, good. Let's, let's get some biblical proof. So I'm going to be I'm going to be asking, I'm going to be asked some questions for which I can go to the Bible and find legislation. And if I can't go to the Bible and find legislation, then I have to conclude that whatever's being talked about is a matter of judgment and up to personal uh, liberty and discretion by the individual. Now, the reason I referenced that video, um, we need to actually go to see what the Bible says. If the Bible doesn't legislate something, then the Bible doesn't have a law. And I think a lot of times we conflate what the Bible says versus what is a law. Take, mm, I don't know if I need to say this or not. Smoking cigarettes is not a sin ipso facto. That means it's not a sin in and of itself. It is a matter of judgment. That being said, I can preach a gospel sermon or I can teach a a, a Bible class on ethics and what we ought and ought not to do, the shoulds and the should nots. And I can talk about smoking from Scripture and never condemn people who smoke as going to hell because they smoke. And I can never say that smoking is sin, but I can make you draw the conclusion. The only logical conclusion to draw is God does not want you to smoke cigarettes. That's how the Bible works. But that's a far cry different than the Bible legislating tobacco use. All right? Yeah, Brandon Dreshner says the concept or this concept of legislation has changed the way I think about some things. And and you know what? It should. Um because I think I think a lot of times we go to the to the Bible and we'll see something in the Bible and it and it corroborates some of our our scruples and we're like, yeah, there there you go. Obviously this is sin then. No, it's not a sin. It's just the Bible has given us guidelines on how to order ourselves. The New Testament is is very it's it's very liberal in that way. And now I am going to reference another video that Aaron Dotson and I did uh, where we covered this idea about once saved, always saved. And the video started out, is, is once saved, always saved a good doctrine? Can a, can a Christian lose their salvation? And the man that was the Bible teacher said, um, well, here's the problem with that. The quality of an answer given greatly depends on the quality of a question asked. And he talked about once saved, always saved. And he said, this question, can a Christian lose their salvation? It's not a good question. 
Because the answer is absolutely not. A Christian cannot lose his salvation. You don't have salvation as something that you you hold and it's tangible. You weren't responsible for getting it in a certain sense. Okay, let me clarify that. So you're never going to wake up one day and be like, huh, where's my salvation? I misplaced it. It's gone. I've lost it. Um, that's, that's, That's a foolish idea. He said, but can a Christian reject the gift of God? Can a Christian, once he accepted the gift of God, can he throw away the gift that God gave him? The answer is absolutely yes. And that person, it will be worse for him than if he had never accepted that gift. And, and we discussed Bible verses about that. And that's a much better question is not can a person lose their salvation? Can a person spurn the gift of God? Can a person reject it of their own free will? And of their own free will, can they step away from it and leave it where it is and go off into the realm of darkness once they've entered into the realm of light? And, of course, the answer, several, First, just look at the book of First John. Yes, a Christian can do that. Now, what's that got to do with our right reasoning? Well, we need to go to the Bible, and we need, be, need to be able to reason correctly, and we need to ask good questions. These three questions, are they good questions? Because if they're not good questions, we won't get a good answer. Let's read the questions. So these are three salient questions that need biblical proof that troubles the mind of the asker. Number one, are Christians supposed to collect or give tithe? If yes, then why was Jesus sent from Judah's lineage and not from Levi, according to Hebrews chapter 7? Well, what in the world? Like, this is a perfect example of a non sequitur. I could just as easily say, are Christians supposed to do heroin? If yes, then why did Jesus come from Judah and not Issachar? I mean, these two, these two things don't follow. Are Christians supposed to give a tithe? The tithe is a 10% going back to the old law. The old law was taken away. It was fulfilled. And we have 1 Corinthians 16. We have 1 Corinthians 9. We have, well, I'll tell you what. I didn't plan on this. Let's just go to 1 Corinthians 9. And let me read you a verse. This is the, <clears throat> if somebody asks, what is our authority for taking up a collection as a church? Here it is. It's in 1 Corinthians 9. I'm going to start in verse 3. My seal. My defense, rather, for those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink, talking about Paul and company? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife, as do also other apostles and brothers of the Lord and Cephas, Peter? Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? So Paul was asking the question to the Corinthians, look, all these other people, they, they refrain from working. Not only that, they bring along their wife on their missionary journeys. Is it only Paul and, and, and Barnabas that, that have to work? Can we not forego working? Let's keep going. Verse 7, whoever goes to war at his own expense? Well, the answer is nobody. Who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit? Nobody. Or who tends to a flock that does not drink of the milk of the flock? 
Nobody. You know, I grew up, we had about 300 acres of apples. Though that my, Our money literally grew on trees. And we hired migrant workers to pick the fruit. Guess what they were allowed to do all day while they picked apples? They were allowed to eat as many as they wanted. And, and they, they didn't own the apple trees. Think about that. You know, you're, 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 you're in an apple farm. You're picking apples. You pack your lunch. You've got your protein, your carb. And for desserts, you can eat a couple of apples. Ain't that cool? I mean, you know, it's not a life-changing boon or anything, but it's just understood. These people were working in this fruit field, fruit orchard, and they were able to partake of the, of the, of the abundance. <clears throat> now, verse 8, do I say these things as a mere man, or does not the law say the same also? And he goes back to the old law, for it is written in the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle an ox while it treads out the grain. Is it oxen God is concerned about? No, he's talking about men. Or does he, uh, does he say it altogether for our sakes? For our sakes, no doubt. This is written that he who plows should plow in hope, and he who threshes uh, in hope should be partaker of his hope. If we have some spiritual things, if we have sown spiritual things for you, is it a great thing that we reap your material things? In other words, Paul said, I'm preaching the gospel to you. I'm teaching something that's profitable to you spiritually. Therefore, I have a right to profit materially. If others be partakers of this right over you, so evidently there were others that were partakers of this right, are we not even more? Well, they were even more. They were apostles. They were inspired by God. Nevertheless, we have not used this right, but endure all things lest we hinder the gospel of Christ. Do you know, do you not know, rather, that those who minister the holy things eat of the things of the temple, and those who serve at the altar partake of the offerings of the altar? Whenever you come before God and you give on the first day of the week or you give your digital currency uh, when you hit that send button, you're, you're, that is coming across the altar of God. And the person there that is preaching the gospel lives of those things. The one who serves the, the altar, that serves the church, because these this money is coming across the altar, they have a right to partake of those things coming across the altar. Listen at this, verse 14. Even so has the Lord commanded that those who preach the gospel should live from the gospel. Incidentally, don't ever expect anybody to preach for free. You know, even this podcast, I have a right to say, hey, if you like what I'm doing, support me as a podcaster. If this podcast has benefited you, support me as a podcaster. Now, I have the option of not doing it if I'm not getting enough support. I enjoy doing it, so obviously, it's it, financially, it's a net negative. I mean, this is like a $1,800 microphone that I'm on. That's a $3,000 preamp. That's a $2,000 interface. You know, I've done well podcasting and I've done well in my uh, secular work. So I've, I've been blessed to afford some of these things, but I've also had a lot of people help me financially because they like the podcast. On Patreon, I get about $160 a month U.S. translates to about $190 a month Canadian, and we need every dime of it. 
So I have the option of saying, you know what, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm going to focus on something more lucrative. But because I'm able to do it, what I can do now is say, listen, if, if I am sowing spiritual things to you, metaphysical things, then I have a right to say, hey, if you like what I'm doing, feed me your material things. Now, as it relates to the church, there's a located individual who serves the church. He's the gospel preacher, the minister, uh, the office that, that Scripture would describe this would be a teacher or evangelist, and he's sowing your, to you spiritual things so you can sow to him um, material things. God's commanded that that man can live from the gospel. Now, what's that got to do with this question, ask? Well, there's no tithe. But evidently, we have an example, and, and this is a binding example, of people bringing material things to the church. One of the expenses that would be covered would be allowing the one that serves the altar of the Lord to live at that altar. So this question is not a good question. Are Christians supposed to collect or give a tithe? No. But they are supposed to give of their means. They're supposed to give. But if you say, yes, a Christian is supposed to give a tithe, then why was Jesus sent from Judas' lineage and not Levi? Well, that's crazy. That doesn't mean anything. One of those things does not logically follow the other. So you're not going to get a good answer by asking this question. The question should be not, are Christians supposed to give a tithe? It's, are Christians supposed to be liberal in their giving? Or, are Christians supposed to give in the first place? Well, the answer to that is, yes, if if 1 Corinthians chapter 9 was the only place in Scripture that talked about giving, then that would be enough. That would be the authority right there. So that would be your biblical proof. All right, let's go to the next question. Are Christians supposed to celebrate Christmas? If yes, I need biblical proof. If no, then why are Christians celebrating it? Now, wait a second. That right there is a false dichotomy. It's a false binary. The binary is, yes, they are supposed to celebrate it, or no, they are not supposed to celebrate it. Yes, it is accepted of God. No, it is rejected by God. And that's not the binary that's in Scripture. Christians are not commanded to celebrate a man-made holiday. Christians, however, are allowed to celebrate a man-made holiday. Christians are allowed to take one day out of the year and esteem it holy, esteem it above the others. All right? Now, you might say, well, Tony, I, I need some Bible for that. Good. Let's go to Romans chapter 14. Receive one who is weak in the faith, but not to disputes over doubtful things. For one believes he may eat all things, but he who is weak eats only vegetables. Let not him who eats despise him who does not eat, and let not him who does not eat judge him who eats, for God has received him. Who are you to judge another servant? To his own master he stands or falls. Indeed, he will be made to stand, for God is able to make him stand. One person esteems one day above another, 
another esteems every day alike. Let each be fully convinced in his own mind. He who observes the day observes it to the Lord, and he who does not observe the day to the Lord, he does not observe it. He who eats, eats to the Lord, for he gives God thanks, and he who does not eat to the Lord, he does not eat and give God's thank, gives God thanks. Christmas is just a day that has been set apart, and the world as a whole, generally speaking, says, we're going to celebrate this as Jesus' birthday. Now, between us chickens, and I'm going to say something in such a way that most time gets me in trouble. Between us chickens, I think that's stupid. If you're going to celebrate Jesus' birthday, why would you celebrate it in December? One of the only months out of the 12 that we're like almost 100% certain he was not born in. So the the holy day there does have some some pagan roots. It has some roots in Catholicism, all that good stuff. Uh, but I've done a lot of study about this. And you cannot find a, a punctilier, you cannot find a point in history where there was Christmas, there was not Christmas. This kind of developed in a, in a zeitgeist. And everything we do, it, it has pagan roots. Everything by nature that's not rooted in Christianity had, is rooted in paganism. Like birthday cakes. The Temple of Diana, there was a, a festival on whatever day where they would make these sweet cakes and they would put candles in them and they would carry the candles and celebrate this holy day to Diana. It is from where we get our custom of celebrating birthdays and birthday cakes with candles. Birthday cakes with candles have deep, deep pagan roots, uh, deeply rooted in pagan origins. Nobody that I know of besides the Jehovah's Witnesses really complains about that. And as, and as Brandon Dreschner put it in the comment section, supposed to or allowed to? That's the thing. Our, the, the, and... and if you want to greatly bolster the quality of this question, it wouldn't be, are Christians supposed to celebrate Christmas? It should be, are Christians allowed to celebrate Christmas? S Christmas. Something happened to my sound. Something. Hello? Test. Okay. Um, it should be, are Christians allowed to celebrate Christmas? Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. Are Christians allowed to celebrate Christmas? If yes, I need biblical proof. If no, then why are we Christians celebrating? And that's a good question. So are Christians allowed to celebrate Christmas? Well, Romans 14, what I just read. Now, you may say, well, Tony, it goes on to talk about if, if it offends your brother, this, that, and the other. Well, yes, it does. But let me explain something to you. There is a phenomenon known as the tyranny of the weaker brother. What the weaker brother is not allowed to do is rule a congregation by proxy. A weaker brother is not to exercise tyrannical oversight of the, of the larger group by proxy of the eldership ruling in their favor on matters of scruple. When it comes to matters of scruple, matters of expedience, that's where elders rule. So an eldership can say, you know what? Um, 
we have this issue with celebrating of Christmas and where we are, let's say that you're in Mexico where it's 90% Catholic and the eldership of the Church of Christ in XYZ town, Mexico, may say, look, for those of us in this congregation, we need to make sure that we are showing the community that we are not the Catholics. We are separate from the Catholics. So we are going to make a ruling that nobody decorates the outside of their house for Christmas. If you want a Christmas tree in your privacy of your own home, we can't, we're not going to lord our authority over you. But we as a congregation want to take the stand that Christmas is a Catholic holiday and we want no part of it. And so there's that, that's, that's, that's elders ruling in expediency. But let's say you, you get up to Western, uh, in, in Western culture in uh, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, uh, most of the United States, most of Canada, and you have a congregation that, um, let's say that everybody, they have the Christmas spirit, they say Merry Christmas, they let their kids, Santa Claus come see them and stuff like that. Catholicism is not the majority. And it may be that an eldership says, look, we're, we're, going to, uh, we're going to embrace this time of year. We are going to be as shrewd as serpents, but as harmless as doves. And we are going to take this time of year where, where people who would be focusing on Jesus, who would not normally focus on Jesus, we're going to use this for some ninja evangelism. And we're going to, we're going to really make hay while the sun shines. That is a rule in expediency, and elders have the power to do that. Now, what cannot happen is one or two people or even 10 or 15 people in a congregation tyrannically impose their will on the other part of the congregation and because they, they feel like Christmas shouldn't even be talked about during December. And I've talked to brethren like that. They don't even want you mentioning uh, Matthew chapter 1 uh, during December. Like, hey, Tony, you can preach on the birth of Christ 11 months out of the year. You just can't preach a lesson about the birth of Christ on, in December because that's too much like Christmas. I'm like, come on, folks, get a life. But, yeah, are we supposed to or are we allowed to? We are allowed to celebrate Christmas. We're allowed to celebrate Easter, which is the next one. Um, verse 3. Do Jesus or the other apostles want Christians to celebrate Easter? If yes, where in the Bible can I find it? All right, here's the thing. You could say the same thing about Independence Day in the United States of America. Uh, in fact, you, can, you could say the same thing about Canada Day in Canada. Canada Day in Canada is July 1st. Independence Day in the United States is July 4th. What did Jesus and the apostles want Canadians to celebrate Canada Day? If they do, then where in the Bible can I find it? So if I can't find it in the Bible, the implication there is Jesus and the apostles don't want me to celebrate Canada Day or don't want me to celebrate the 4th of July. That is a terrible question. This goes back to ask a better question, get a better answer, get a more higher quality answer. Do Jesus and the apostles care whether or not Christians celebrate Easter? would be a better question. Actually, the better question would go back to supposed to or allowed to. Are Christians allowed 
to celebrate Easter. Can I, according to Romans 14, esteem one day above another? The answer is yes, as long as I don't harm someone for whom Christ died. And in Western culture, in the United States and Canada, you can absolutely celebrate Easter and Christmas without harming another soul for whom Christ died. It is not a sin ipso facto. You can absolutely do that. And we need more education from God's Word on this type of issue. And I believe if we had more education about logic and how to think about things reasonably without jumping to conclusions or poisoning the well or going to ad hominem attacks or just doing arguments from authority, then we would have a healthier group of people calling themselves Christians. Just some of my thoughts. What do you think? Would you be interested in taking a course like a Zoom class, uh, an introductory to Aristotelian logic to talk about right reasoning and learning how to recognize logical fallacies and all that good stuff, how to, how to formulate syllogisms and, and ask questions, very high-quality questions, so you can get high-quality answers? I mean, that's, that's something we could facilitate through digitalbiblestudy.org. We could have a Zoom class, and we could get a, a teacher to come in and teach uh, maybe a 12-week course, a six-week course on, on an introduction to Aristotelian logic. Anyway, give me some feedback. Let me know. All right, that's all I've got here, folks. Please, if you don't do anything else, go to YouTube and just type in Aristotelian logic or learning about logic or something like that and just educate yourself. Barry O'Dell said that would be excellent. Barry, you're the one that I had in mind to teach it. <laughs> no, you're not really the one I had in mind to teach it, but you could teach it. And I don't know, I, I think I could teach it, but I feel like I could find somebody, um, I could find somebody better than me, which you would be better than me at teaching it. And uh, what would be nice is getting Keith Mosier to, um, to teach it. Uh, he already teaches a two-week course in the summer at, um, he already teaches a two-week course in the summer, but um, do you think, what, what about talking about if, if I impart unto you spiritual things and I should be able to partake of your physical, what, 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 what would you think we could do a webinar where maybe if you get a six-week or however long the teacher would be able to do it, do you think we could get maybe $10 per person? And so that way, if we get, you know, 10 or 15 people to sign up, we can at least give the person like 100, 150 bucks. Um, I, I, I don't know what you think about that. I'm, I'm just spitballing. I, had, I did not plan to talk about this, but I think it would be kind of cool, and it looks like, it looked like some of y'all would too. So um, let me chew on this. Send, uh, uh, be sure and put it in the comment section what you think. And if you're listening to this after the fact, be sure and comment on whatever podcast channel you listen to. If, it, if there's a comment section, if there's not, uh, message me at Cogitations, the Cogitations podcast channel. Consider supporting me at Digital Bi- or at, uh, Near Churches, uh, www.patreon.com forward slash Near Churches. And uh, yeah, that's um, that's all I've got here. Um, let's 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 dig in and and try to learn how to reason rightly, 
And let's remember, um, let's remember that that's it. Emotionalism carries the day. Let, let's remember that uh, we can go to Google and and or YouTube and learn a lot of stuff just by typing in the topic. And maybe we need to work on that. But I'll consider thinking about, uh, yeah, uh, Brandon says, I love this idea of a webinar, Zoom classes, et cetera. Yeah, that's what we'll try to do. All right, guys, that's all I've got here. This has been Tony Brewer. God bless you. Uh, you've been listening to Cogitations. Be sure and subscribe. Be sure and look at the show notes for ways to support. And we'll catch you on the flip side.